This is the LexisNexis Torts and Personal Injury Law Community Podcast. On this edition, a review of recent news stories is reported by the editors of LexisNexis Mealy Publications. Current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The Pennsylvania Superior Court on August 3rd held that a claim for negligent design is not subsumed in Pennsylvania's prohibition on strict liability claims against pharmaceutical manufacturers. The lawsuit asserted that Wyeth's diet drugs caused a woman's death from primary pulmonary hypertension. A resident of Ohio alleged that her daughter used Wyeth's diet drug redux for approximately four months in 1997. In November 2004, she was diagnosed with primary pulmonary hypertension and died a month later. The court said a negligent design claim may survive where one for strict liability does not because the former focuses on the conduct of the defendant while the latter focuses on the product itself. The panel explained Pennsylvania's prohibition on strict liability for drugs is based on a section of the second restatement of torts regarding unavoidably unsafe products, which holds that a manufacturer's only duty is to make the product properly and to warn appropriately. By contrast, the panel said, the section of the restatement addressing negligent design contains no exemption for pharmaceutical products. Therefore, the court said, comment K of the restatement is confined to strict liability claims and has no application to claims sounding in negligence. Quote, pursuant to Pennsylvania law, a negligent design defect claim is considered to be distinct from and not subsumed within a strict liability design defect claim. Consequently, appellant's negligent design claim is not precluded by comment K and is a valid cause of action upon which relief may be granted, end of quote. The panel remanded the negligent design claim to the Philadelphia County Court of Common Pleas, where summary judgment had been granted in September 2008. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Muley's Diet Drugs Editor, Michael Lefkowitz. A California appellate court on July 30th vacated a $1.4 million judgment against Ford Motor Company as part of a personal injury lawsuit in which a man claims to have suffered asbestos exposure from working on brakes installed on the automaker's vehicles. A unanimous Second District Court of Appeal found that Los Angeles County Superior Court Judge Paul Gutman erred by conducting an in-camera review of out-of-court settlements without also allowing Ford's counsel an opportunity to view the documents. The panel vacated the judgment and remanded the case for an entry of a new judgment. The panel affirmed the jury's findings of liability against Ford and its assessment of damages. The court ordered the trial court to allow Ford's counsel the opportunity to review the relevant terms of a third-party settlement agreement. The man filed suit against numerous companies alleging he contracted mesothelioma after exposure to asbestos. In August 2008, a jury found that Ford's brakes were defective because they failed to include warnings of the dangers presented by asbestos. The Third Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals has affirmed that manufacturing defect and breach of warranty claims involving the Vegas Nerve Stimulation Therapy System, made by Cyberonics Incorporated, are expressly preempted. We get that story from LexisNexis, Mealy's Emerging Drugs and Medical Device Editor, Tom Moylan. A class action complaint was filed in 2006 alleging injury from the device, which uses electrodes implanted in the vagus nerves in the neck and connected to a pacemaker-like electronic device to deliver electrical impulses to treat epilepsy and major depression. It is a class 3 medical device, meaning it bears the most regulatory controls of any devices, and was approved through the pre-market approval process by the Food and Drug Administration. 
In September 2009, the Eastern District of Pennsylvania found the plaintiff's claims were preempted by the medical device amendments to the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. The Third Circuit agreed, finding generalized common law theories of liability, such as those advanced here, are precisely the type of claims the medical device amendments sought to preempt. The appeals court explained that the success of breach of warranty claims would require the plaintiffs to show that the device was unsafe or ineffective, despite the pre-market approval process, thereby interfering with the requirements already established by the medical device amendments, which preempts all safety and effectiveness determinations for a device. Further, the court said that if it is alleged that the device stopped working or malfunctioned, the plaintiffs failed to explain how the device deviated from FDA requirements. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Emerging Drugs and Devices Editor, Tom Moylan. A New Jersey appellate court July 29th reversed and remanded the dismissal of claims that oral polio vaccine contaminated with simian virus 40 caused a man's brain tumor. A panel of the New Jersey Superior Court Appellate Division ruled that Jamie and Rebecca Gannon had presented sufficient evidence to create a factual issue as to whether the allegedly contaminated vaccine Jamie Gannon received in the 1970s was Oramune, manufactured by Letterly Laboratories. Letterly at the time was owned by American Cyanamid Corporation, but has since been acquired by American Home Products, now Wyeth. The only other oral polio vaccine at the time was manufactured by Pfizer. The panel said Gannon's pediatrician and the pediatrician's office manager have both since died and office records cannot be located, but Gannon presented an immunization and health record booklet distributed by Letterly that indicated Jamie had received five doses of polio vaccine between 1973 and 1976. Moreover, the panel said, according to the booklet, Gannon had received two other products that were manufactured only by Letterly. The court also found that a previous federal dismissal did not preclude the Gannons from asserting claims in state court. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Thimerosal and Vaccines Editor Michael Lefkowitz. The New Jersey Supreme Court July 28th reinstated a decision in favor of Spring Valley Equestrian Center, the defendant in a premises liability action. The court found a woman's injuries suffered while riding a horse were an inherent risk of equine activities. Gloria Hubner sued Spring Valley after being injured while riding a horse at the equestrian center. Her horse tripped on a training pole, fell, threw her into a pair of steps, and landed on top of her. She argued placement of poles and steps was negligent. A trial court found the woman's claims barred by the New Jersey Equine Activities Liability Act and that the injuries were one of the risks of participating in an equine activity. The Superior Court Appellate Division, though, reversed, finding that negligent disregard for a participant's safety is an exception to the Equine Act. The New Jersey High Court, however, held Hubner's claim was barred because the injuries were caused by one of the inherent risks of equine activities, as defined in the Act. The Supreme Court noted the faulty equipment exception to the Act did not apply because the poles and steps were not defective. Saying the multi-district litigation has fulfilled its objectives, the Minnesota federal judge overseeing the Mirapex MDL has ordered the parties to show cause why remaining 58 non-settled cases should not be remanded to their transfer courts and the MDL dissolved. The plaintiffs allege Mirapex, prescribed to treat symptoms of Parkinson's disease, causes compulsive behavior such as gambling and that the drugs manufacturer failed to warn of that risk. 
District of Minnesota Judge James Rosenbaum said core coordinated discovery has been conducted. Motions briefed and argued, bellwether trials conducted in July 2008, and many claims settled. Judge Rosenbaum ordered counsel to show cause why he should not suggest that the JPMDL remand the remaining 58 cases. A hearing is set for August 17th. A New Jersey appeals panel July 23rd reversed dismissal of manufacturing defect, failure to warn, and breach of express warranty claims brought by several people who claim to have been injured by Johnson & Johnson and Cordes Corporation stents, holding the claims not preempted by federal law. More than 45 cases were consolidated in Middlesex County Superior Court in New Jersey, which then dismissed the plaintiff's claims as preempted by the Medical Device Amendments of 1976 to the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. The Superior Court Appellate Division held that because the plaintiffs based their manufacturing defect and failure to warn claims on allegations that defendants failed to satisfy federal requirements on disclosure or federal limitations on off-label promotion within the safe harbor, the claims are not preempted. A leading importer of electronic cigarettes agreed August 3rd not to market its products to youths or claim they are healthier alternatives to traditional cigarettes in the state of California. California Attorney General Edmund Brown Jr. announced a settlement with Soterra Incorporated doing business as Enjoy, one of the largest importers of e-cigarettes, saying it would prevent the company from targeting minors in its advertising and marketing and from claiming that e-cigarettes are a safe alternative to smoking regular cigarettes. Attorneys in the Toyota Motor Corporation multi-district litigation August 2nd filed a consolidated class action complaint in California federal court alleging the automaker knowingly has concealed defects associated with unintended acceleration since 2002. The plaintiffs filed a complaint consolidating economic damages claims in the Central District of California. The nationwide class of consumers and businesses excludes anyone who sustained injury or whose accident resulted in death. The litigation involves more than 200 lawsuits filed after the Japanese automaker initiated a recall of more than 8 million vehicles for defects associated with unintended acceleration. Two Alabama women on July 26th filed what is believed to be the first personal injury class action involving the chemical dispersant Corexit 9500 in Alabama federal court. The women allege BP has dumped millions of gallons of toxic chemicals into the Gulf of Mexico to disperse and sink crude oil to the Gulf floor. The plaintiffs claim that one method by which the oil giant has applied Corexit 9500 has been to spray the chemical from airplanes in the middle of the night. The women maintain the defendant's actions have caused Gulf Coast residents to suffer breathing and gastrointestinal problems. A group of Taiwanese plaintiffs have asked the U.S. Supreme Court to review dismissal of their case alleging infection from contaminated blood clotting factors, saying a federal multi-district court exceeded its authority by making a fact-specific decision on the issue of forum nonconvenience. The plaintiffs are hemophiliacs who allege they developed HIV or AIDS, after receiving contaminated blood factors, which are proteins derived from whole blood, that are injected into hemophiliacs to allow their blood to clot. The plaintiffs allege Baxter Healthcare paid high-risk donors, such as prisoners, IV drug users, and male homosexuals, to donate blood that was then pooled and used to create the blood clotting factors. They allege that after blood factor manufacturers in the U.S. started to heat-treat blood to destroy the HIV virus, Baxter continued to sell the contaminated products overseas. Visit the LexisNexis store for all your legal book and software needs. The store offers thousands of titles to help you in the practice of law and in managing the business of your legal practice.
You can reach our e-commerce site by clicking on the Store tab at the top of the LexisNexis homepage or by going to LexisNexis.com store. This edition of LexisNexis Torts and Personal Injury Law Community Podcast was written by the editors of LexisNexis Mealies, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The LexisNexis Torts and Personal Injury Community Podcast, copyright 2010 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. Visit all the LexisNexis communities at www.lexisnexis.com community. LexisNexis, total practice solutions. I'm Steve Burstler. Thanks for listening.